This Day in History class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello, and welcome to This Day in History class, a show that breathes in history one day at a time. I'm Gabe Luzier, and in this episode, we're talking about the first dentist to ever give his patients the giggles, and why, for him, it later became no laughing matter. The day was December 11th, 1844. A 29-year-old dentist named Horace Wells pioneered the use of nitrous oxide in dental procedures by testing the gas on himself. At the time, anesthesia did not yet exist, meaning that every person in need of a dental or surgical operation had to decide which was worse, the pain from the ailment or the pain of the treatment. Wells recognized the potential use of nitrous oxide for pain relief, and to confirm his theory, he decided to try it himself. As for nitrous oxide, it was first synthesized in 1775 by English chemist Joseph Priestley, the discoverer of oxygen. However, Priestley was just excited to have discovered an interesting new gas. He didn't bother experimenting with its inhalation or with trying to find a practical use for it. That task was taken up about 20 years later by another English chemist named Sir Humphrey Davy. He observed both the analgesic and euphoric effects of nitrous oxide, and in 1800, he suggested the gas could be used in surgical operations as a way to deaden pain. You might expect that Davy's solution to the problem of pain would have been greeted with open arms, but it wasn't. Because pain couldn't be eliminated, humans tried to make themselves feel better by ascribing meaning to their suffering. Many societies taught that pain was a deserved punishment for the sins of man, and that to find a way around that was to subvert the will of God. As a result, much of the world was hesitant to utilize any kind of anesthesia, and Davy's theory about nitrous oxide would go untested for another 40 years. The medical use of nitrous oxide may have been off the table, but the world was quick to find another use for it, as an inhalant for getting high. The euphoria that resulted from inhaling nitrous oxide led to a new pastime in the early 1800s. People would host parties or attend live demonstrations where volunteers would inhale the gas and then stumble around on stage, giggling and acting silly. These loopy antics earned it the on-the-nose nickname of laughing gas. On the evening of December 10th, 1844, dentist Horace Wells and his wife Elizabeth attended one such demonstration at Union Hall in their hometown of Hartford, Connecticut. They had heard about the show through an advertisement in the Hartford Times, which described the laughing gas entertainment as a chance to see participants, quote, laugh, sing, dance, speak, or fight, according to the leading trait of their character. During the demonstration, Wells noticed that one of the gassed-up participants had injured his leg when he ran into a wooden bench, but didn't seem to notice. In fact, he literally laughed it off, leading Wells to wonder if nitrous oxide 
could be used to relieve pain during dental procedures. After the show, he made arrangements with the event's organizer, Gardner Colton, to conduct a trial with the gas at his office. The very next morning, Wells enlisted one of his former students to extract an impacted molar while Wells was under the effects of nitrous oxide. Once the gas wore off, Wells claimed he had felt no more pain than, quote, the prick of a pin. The first use of medical anesthesia had proven a success, and Wells soon began using the gas on his own patients. It was the start of what he called a new era in tooth pulling. Several weeks later, after a dozen or so successful uses of the gas, Wells decided to demonstrate its analgesic effects in the major city of Boston. Once there, he contacted William T. Morton, another of his former dental students. Morton introduced Wells to prominent physicians and dentists in the area and helped set up a demonstration for them, as well as for the faculty and students of Harvard's medical school. On the day of the event, a medical student volunteered to have a tooth extracted under nitrous oxide, but as Wells did the deed, the patient groaned and then cried out as if in pain. Hours later, the student explained his reaction as a case of nerves, saying that he hadn't felt a thing and was actually unaware of when the extraction occurred. Unfortunately, the clarification came too late. Wells had been booed by the audience, with most of the observers labeling the demonstration a failure and Wells a fraud. The most important day of his career had turned into a disaster, and a disheartened Wells returned to Hartford the very next day. The incident marked the beginning of a devastating downward spiral for Wells. In the following months, he sank into a deep depression, closed his practice, and gave up dentistry. Desperate to clear his good name, he started experimenting on himself, not only with nitrous oxide, but with ether and chloroform as well. Today, it's believed that Wells became addicted to these substances as a way of coping with his mental and emotional pain. That trauma was worsened in October of 1846, when William T. Morton, the former student who had helped him organize the event in Boston, demonstrated how ether could be used as an anesthetic for surgery. That betrayal led to a lengthy dispute over who deserved credit for the discovery of anesthesia. Wells fought his former student's claim in the press, but the controversy took a toll on his already fragile mental state. By early 1848, Horace Wells was living alone in New York City, estranged from his wife and son, and slipping deeper into opioid addiction. On his 33rd birthday, likely out of his mind on chloroform, Wells threw sulfuric acid into the faces of two women he had met on the street. He was arrested and imprisoned that night, but he managed to smuggle a bottle of chloroform and a straight razor into his cell. That evening, the wrongly disgraced dentist took his own life. Almost 20 years later, the long-running debate was finally put to rest when the American Dental Association recognized Horace Wells as the discoverer of anesthesia. Six years later, the American Medical Association followed suit, declaring Wells the father of surgical anesthesia. 
By that time, nitrous oxide was in wide use as a general anesthetic. That continued until the early 1900s, when it was supplanted by novocaine and eventually by lidocaine. These forms of local anesthesia were much easier to use and produced more reliable results than nitrous oxide. Still, the gas made a comeback in the 1960s as a way to sedate conscious patients and ease their anxiety. This use as a sedative rather than an anesthetic has continued ever since. Horace Wells' dream of pain-free medicine became a reality for millions of people worldwide, but for him, it was the cause of an even deeper pain, the kind that no liquid, gas, or pill can ever truly relieve. I'm Gabe Luzier, and hopefully you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you have a second and you're so inclined, consider following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHCshow. You can also get in touch with us directly by writing to thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks to Chandler Mays for producing the show, and thank you for listening. I'll see you back here again tomorrow for another day in history class. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.